Hey everybody, Randy here. Before we get to today's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is our good friends at Pinehurst Golf Resort, Pinehurst, North Carolina. Check them out at pinehurst.com. If you are thinking about planning a golf trip anytime this spring, summer, fall, I would urge you to consider Pinehurst, uh, especially, especially if, if you have not been there. Uh, it is just somewhere you need to go. Um, I had the opportunity last month to add to the collection of courses I've played there. Uh, I got a chance to walk around number one, which was just a delightful walk. Of course, played number three, which I think is an excellent warm-up round if you're going to play number two. It's a little shorter, but with uh, really fun, interesting, and difficult green complexes. Of course, number four, recently renovated a couple years ago by Gil Hans. Uh, it's, it's a top 100, great golf course. And a number of things, you know, sneaky, I think my favorite thing to do uh, is the Thistledew putting course. Just an excellent 18-hole routing. So much fun to, to play a match play or a skins game out there. Of course, it's right there next to the cradle. And, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to highlight from my trip last month, I got to see the new North-South Bar, which is a recently renovated whiskey bar at the Manor Hotel. And I, I just think they did such a superb job making it a, a great place to sit and, and hang out with friends. And, you know, whether you're reliving that day's golf or catching a drink before heading to dinner somewhere, it, it's just a really fun, lively setting. Have some TVs on the wall. Uh, just, just a really cool spot. So, again, I uh, would urge everybody to check out pinehurst.com. They have a number of great golf packages uh, to help you plan a trip this year. And uh, thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now on to today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Troll Podcast. This is an extra special one for me. I say they're all special, but some are, are actually more special, and, and this certainly qualifies. I'm joined by Mr. Tom Coyne. He has a new book. Hopefully, you've, you know all about it, but just in case you don't, he has a new book coming out on Tuesday, May 25th, but it's available right now for pre-order. It is called A Course Called America, 50 States, 5,000 Fairways, and the Search for the Great American Golf Course. Tom, hello, welcome. How are you? Where are you? Uh, good evening. Good evening, my friend. Randy, it is so great to be with you here on the Trap Drop Podcast and have the chance to talk about the book. Very exciting. It's a big Big week, crazy week. Um, so I'm glad I found some time to talk, and I, I really appreciate you know you having me on to talk a little bit about the book. And I, I'm here outside Philadelphia uh, at home on the on the homestead in, in Devon, PA. Um, and yeah, we're we're rolling into a week of you know the, with the book coming out on the 25th. So we're 
um, with a, and a big book launch event on the 24th, uh, which is Monday. So I have a long checklist here of things that I'm trying to knock out before that book, uh, before all that fun stuff happens. Cause I want to just be sort of focused on that. So I'm going down the list, man. Today's list included such items as, um, turning all my grades at St. Joseph's university, uh, so that my seniors could graduate. So that's important. You know, you don't want to be that professor who holds up the graduation ceremony for uh, your deserving seniors. So for I got folks, all that done. Well, yeah. for the folks listening, what uh, what class are you teaching this semester? What what, right. what is so, this? It's it's been interesting, man. So I uh, I went on research leave to do. I'm I'm in the English department at at St. Joe's. Go Hawks. Go right? Hawks, of course. Go Hawks. And. Um, in the English department, went on research leave for a year to do the travel for a course called America. And we're going to be talking about all, you know, all that stuff, what, what that entailed, but it entailed a lot of time away from teaching. So uh, I took a year, then I, then COVID happened. So I pushed it. I extended that research leave for another semester so that I could write the book. So I finally came back to teaching this spring. And I taught uh, a screenwriting workshop, um, a graduate screenwriting workshop. So that was nice. So here's a little professor, like inside academic stuff. When you're teaching the same subject, you might find that, I think that's boring, but it saves you from having to prepare for various subjects. So we call that, you know, having one prep for for two courses because you're essentially teaching the same thing. So I had two sections of screenwriting and then an English 101, which is... uh, you know, writing essays for freshmen. So we all teach. <laughs> in the now, are, are these are these are these freshmen who will not be English majors? These are these are are these freshmen that are checking the box like I have to take English one hundred and one. See, that's how they come in, Randy. But then by the time they're done with English one hundred and one with Professor Coin, <laughs> I turn all those marketing majors into English majors. That's the hope. I usually can net about one, one or two maybe, um, and you know, open their eyes to the possibility of being an English major. It is a 101 is a required course. And, and everyone in the department generally teaches, has to teach one like 101 or 102. Um, so they're actually kind of fun. Like I, 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 I enjoy the, the freshman classes. Um, if you have the right perspective on it, right. If you go into it with this idea that it's going to be like my upper level English classes and people are here cause they, are passionate about being writers or English majors or whatever, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be banging your head into the wall a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if you go into it with the perspective that like, Hey, you know, these are students who I can really help that want to, they want to do other things, but they're going to need to learn, know how to write. Um, And if you know, your expectations in the right place, it can be, it can be pretty cool. I had a really good group this semester. I had uh, I had a few golfers, which is nice. It's weird how that happens. Um, how I end up generally having most of the golf team come through my classroom at some point. Do do uh, they know you as? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Do they know you no. as just Professor Coin, who I think he likes to golf, or do they know that you're, you know, published golf author, big in you know this this <laughs> weird wonderful golf space uh, that that you and I are somehow a part of? Do, do they know you that way as well? Nowadays, they it's more likely that they would. Um, a few years ago, it was like hit or miss if they would be 
it, it was like, Hey, my, my dad has your book. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I get a lot of that. Um, but now thanks to social media and stuff like we're, I guess it's kind of weird. I suppose that my 18 year old students and I are inhabiting the same, um, <laughs> spaces, um, yeah. the social spaces, virtual social spaces. So, so it's okay. But, um, yeah, no, they, it, and it's funny, you know, like sometimes they'll hang around after class and talk about their tournament or what they shot or that they saw, you know, a scorecard I posted and wanted to talk about it. Um, which is fun. I mean, it's probably not something they get to do with a lot of their professors. Um, so, so that's cool. I don't know how we got, I got like way off on that subject. Um, that's what I'm, yeah. So that's what I did today was I got grades in and it's actually sad to say my last semester, um, teaching because I am, well, it's, it's, it's bittersweet, shall we say, cause I'm going full-time at the golfer's journal now, which I'm so excited about. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, giving up uh, making a move from the, uh, a lifetime, a lifetime appointment for the security of the magazine business. And who wouldn't do that? But <laughs> golfer's journal is different than your typical magazine we know. And, and I'm thrilled to, uh, you know, I've been there from the start and it's pretty exciting to now be fully invested in making it work and making it happen. And every day waking up, thinking about how I can make the golfer's journal better instead of thinking about, all right, I've got to get these papers graded and then I've got to try and work on something that I need to do for, you know, the golfer's journal. So I'm yeah. all in on TGJ, which is great. And good for you. Um, I, yeah. Obviously we're, I, I speak on behalf of no laying up. We're, we're obviously huge, huge fans of the golfer's journal and, and all the people there. So that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you. I also am a little mad at you for, you know, leaving the world of academia that, uh, I maybe, you know, maybe you'll be back one day. We'll, we'll see. And I only say I'm mad at you because, you know, that's, that's kind of my dream is one day to have that, you know, that, that professorship yeah. where I'm, you know, work, working with the students, hanging on the college campus. That's, that's kind of my ideal. It's pretty awesome. I'm, I will miss a lot of that and I won't, I'm not leaving for good. I should say that I'll come back and I'll teach classes here and there. I'll be an adjunct professor. I'll, okay. you know, when I have the, uh, the time in my schedule, I'll, I'll, and St. Joe's has offered me that, that opportunity to, to come back and do that, which will be, a, I think a, a better fit than, um, the full-time the expectations of a full-time professor which i really was falling short on not in the classroom but in everything else i need to do to be a part of a department um which are a lot of things that are not that idyllic like hey hanging around campus and chit-chatting with the undergrads about <laughs> writing you know it's like being on committees and serve and doing service work and stuff that i just was not around and able to do so in any event um yeah no i'm, I'm not leaving the classroom for good and uh um but you know, my dream was always to, you know, help a publication like exist and, 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 and shape it and, and push it in interesting directions. Right. And have my name on a masthead. And it's been a, a real, that's, and it's a dream I'd kind of given up on because the way the magazine business or the periodical world, if you will, cause I don't like calling golfers journal, like a magazine, um, the way that world was going, those jobs weren't happening. Like I was just, I was like, okay, I'm gonna lucky I can write books and I'm lucky I have a chance to teach. But you know, golfer's journals sort of changed my perspective on that. So it's it's good. 
Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and a, a good segue. I mean, speaking of one of your dreams, one of your goals that has now become a reality in, in multiple iterations is writing these books. Um, I, I promise this, this podcast is about your new book, which I mentioned at the top. Uh, but I want to I give people a sense of, of what we're embarking on here. Um, I, I, book club seems, I, I don't know if that's quite the right term for what we're going to do, maybe book series, lecture series. Uh, but, but what you and I are going to do is this is the first of a four part series. Uh, and it's going to dive into and explore your new book, a course called America. So obviously folks are listening to this first, first part, uh, today on uh, Thursday, March or uh, March Thursday, May 20th, part two is going to be released on June 10th. And what we're going to do is we're going to get into a lot of the details and uh, hopefully be joined by a special guest. Uh, and that will cover roughly the, the first half of the book. And then two weeks later on June 24th will be our third episode together. And that's going to, again, cover um, the, the second half of the book with hopefully another special guest. And then finally, uh, the conclusion part four will be released on July 8th. And uh, we'll, we'll tie a bow on, on this thing. So I hope people can get the book, can read it. Uh, hopefully your reading schedule times up with the release of these podcasts. And um, yeah, hopefully it's an enjoyable experience for, for listeners. I know, uh, Tom, I thank you for doing this. This is something I've wanted to do for a while. And, you know, uh, I, I couldn't think of a better way to experiment and, and to give it a try than, uh, with you and, and your book, a course called America. No, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And I thank you, Randy, for giving us, giving me a chance to, to do it. Um, I think it's a great idea. And I think it's, you know, when you're promoting, when you're sort of doing the promotional circuit, you, you do a fair number of podcasts and, and generally sort of get into the same territory and sort of hit the high notes. And, and then, you know, there you go. Um, but this gives us the chance, I think, to do something really cool, you know, to bring on people who are in the book and, and to like sort of take it piece by piece and really kind of get into to what was going on in the book. And it's also why I just rambled for 10 minutes about being a professor, because I know we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the book. If we were doing <laughs> it otherwise, I would have been like, all right, here's what the book is about. Here's where you buy it. Let's get on, you know, but um, I really like that we're going to be able to sort of uh, take this at a cool pace and. Um, and also bring in some other voices from the story as well, which I'm, I'm really excited to hear kind of their thoughts on, on the book as well. Uh, but as you, as you said, to enjoy these four segments to their fullest, um, you want to get the course called America today and, and read along and follow along with us. Always exactly. be promoting. Exactly. And well, and, and finish, finish the promotion. Where, where would you, what helps you the most? Where, where would you point folks to get the book? Wherever books are sold, wherever you like to get your books, um, it's great to, uh, you know, frequent and support our local independent booksellers Amen. Um, and independent businesses. Of course, we can, as much as we can support them is great. Uh, but if you like to get your books at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, they're great too. So, Hey, I'm in the, I'm in the, everyone's, everyone moving books is my friend business. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, whatever works for you, go for it. Perfect. Um, well, in that vein, let's, let's dive into it. Um, 
this this talk today, I, I want to set the stage for people, get into how this book came about, and uh, really lay the groundwork. So when folks do pick it up, you know they'll they'll kind of be ready to dive in and and follow along with us. A course called America is the third installment that you have in kind of a course called uh, the uh, the first being Ireland, the second being Scotland. Let me start here, Tom. Why why America? And also, how is this book um, in spirit, in form, you know, how does it differ from those previous two? Yeah, the, the why America question, you know, with any of the books, it, they all needed to get to the point where I felt not just, oh, this would be nice to do, or this, this might be a good story, to where you feel like you're absolutely compelled to do it, like you have to do it. And it, like, if you're not working on this book, or writing this book or researching this book that you just feel like you're you're missing something you're not doing it right not only do i have to get there but like my my publisher and my editor at simon and schuster who now has his own imprint um his name is jofie ferrari adler and he has his own imprint now called um avid reader press and you know he's got to feel the same way like this it just has to get to the point where it's screaming at you like this is the next book so you know, Ireland certainly felt that way. Scotland, it took me a while to, to figure out how to do Scotland in a way that it felt like that obvious, like I have to do it. Um, but we got there. Um, and it took some time with me for me and Jofi to kind of kick around different approaches and angles to doing a Scotland book. So for America, um, it was pretty easy actually to get to that point of like, I have to do the America book. I have to do an America book because it got, it became pretty clear that I knew golf in Scotland and Ireland better than I did in my own country. Right. Like I had to do re I'd done a ton of travel over there. I had to do actual research and where I, I sort of took for granted golf in, in my own country, you know, it wasn't Lynx golf. It wasn't as soulful or spiritual as golf over there. It was more commercial. It was way too private. You know, I, I really sort of discounted um, golf in the States and I shouldn't have. And I, and I knew I shouldn't be doing that. And it was lazy. And I wanted to get out and get to know golf in America. And it just seemed like, okay, if you're going to do a trilogy, my connections to Ireland were pretty obvious with my big red head that I don't know. Are, can people see this or are we just doing audio? Thankfully for both of us, Tom, people cannot see this. This is just audio. Fantastic. All right. Outstanding. Because <laughs> my hair is a mess, but it is big we, and orange. We and both have we so both have faces for uh, for podcasts. Hey, <laughs> audio only podcasts. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, I've, I've just teased. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no doubt about the Irish heritage. And then the Scotland connection. You know, I write a book about how much, you know, I love Lynx Golf and it's the purest expression of the game. So it's like but I'd only played St. Andrews. So I needed to do the Scotland book. Um, and with America, that's just, it just, obviously it's my home. It's my homeland. So it's where I live. And, and I wanted to not only get to know America from a golf perspective, but I'm kicking around this idea of, all right, it's 2017, 2018, 2019, really interesting time in our country. Um, there's no, there are no, there's no politics in the book, but there's a lot of questions about, you know, American identity. What does it mean to be American? Right. Um, 
So the angle that got me most interested about doing a golf in America book and that made me feel like I have to do it was this question of the search for the great American golf course, because that meant I would have to figure out one thing that I don't think I'd really nailed in my other two books of like, what makes a golf course great I'd have to kind of figure that out. And then in the context of like, what makes the golf course American, right? What does that label mean? What does that adjective mean in 2019? That's a, like a big unwieldy question and a, like a heavy one and one fit for a book. And once you like, for me, once I find a question that feels book worthy versus, you know, where it's like, okay, I can get that in a magazine article or I can, I can do that in an essay. This notion of like, what does American mean in 20, in, in 2019 is, um, that was big and, and I needed a book to, to figure that out. And I need to do a lot. I need to go to a lot of places. And it was only a book that was going to allow me to be big enough to sort of couch all that. So, and to capture all that. So, um, a course called America, it just felt like, it was like, yeah, I have to do this. And my editor was like, yeah, love letter to golf in America. You need to write that. Um, and, and, and off we went. And, and, you know, one of the obvious differences is just the size and scope, right? I, Ireland is sure. relatively tiny, Scotland, uh, relatively tiny. So there's such a difficulty, I would think, in trying to do America in full. How did you... Talk to me about the process of almost finding the hook for the book, right? Like, did you have many different ideas or, or how difficult was it to, like, how am I going to get my arms <laughs> around all of America? What was, was that scary, like? scary, man. Yeah. Terrifying. And it, this was like the book that, uh, of the three, or of any, even throw Paper Tiger in there, whatever. Like, this is the book that I wanted to quit before it started, just because <laughs> I felt like I can't do it. I, like, there's no way to do this right. And the idea of credit to, I, I mean, I've been kicking around, all right, like how, do, like how do I wrap my hands around America or wrap my head around doing a, a golf book that does America justice? It's like, okay, so I'll do, um, I'll do the top 100 list, right? Or no, I'll do the top 100 you can play list. I'll do the um, 50 courses you can play for under 50 bucks. Like, I mean, my journal is just full of different hooks, right? That would mm -hmm. be the itinerary. Like Scotland and Ireland was like, all right, I'll play every links. And, and that put me around under a hundred courses for both. So easy peasy, right? In, in terms of at least in like what I was used to, like felt pretty, very manageable. Um, you know, you get to America and it's like, all right, every U.S. Open venue. And that was something I had been thinking about. A friend of mine, Tom Young from Ballpark Blueprints, credit to Tom for coming back to me with that idea and saying, you know, that would actually, that would make a good book. And the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, if I do, I'll do the U.S. Open course and then I'll do something like something nearby that's not known. And that way, that's about 100 courses. And that way I will have sort of told the history of golf in America because the history of the U.S. Open and the USGA you're going to base you, you, if you play all those courses, you're going to walk in the footsteps of everyone from Bobby Jones to John Shippen, you know, to Tiger Woods, you know, it's going to cover a lot. And so I said, all right, I'll do every U S open venue, but then it's like, uh, geographically, I'm like leaving out so much of the country. Right. Um, then it's like, all right, 
and it honestly that that's where no laying up enters the, the story is <laughs> and i should we should we should have some sort of disclaimer here that you are in the book um along with your your colleagues and uh it's it's a brief appearance but an important one because folks who might remember in tourist sauce uh that was before i went off on this journey we did was there for tour sauce ireland for most of it and i was and one night at dinner we were kicking around um it's fun traveling with you guys and i think the book gets into that a little bit and the way that you all relate to each other and um your friendships are kind of cool it's kind of cool to watch how it all works um you're genuine dudes and your friendships are are actually quite genuine which is um which was cool to see as well. And you play these kind of fun sort of games and debates and, and, and sort of things to keep conversation interesting. And it generates material too, I think, but yeah, we were yes. talking about best state, worst state and your knowledge, collective knowledge of the States was impressive and intimidating. And as someone who was about to write about America, I felt like, damn, like I've got, I got work to do. Right. Because I'm laughing along, but I don't understand the points of reference as to why this state would have this or this state would have that. And I felt like, all right, I got to go to that was when I'd been telling myself I might have to go to all 50 states. But that was when it crystallized it was at that dinner and said, yeah, because I'm a big believer in the, um, the universe, putting one in places and in situations to prove its points and to push you in certain directions. Um, you know, the force, if you will. And I felt like, okay, that's, that's the universe telling me I'm going to all 50 States. And then, then I was in like deep shit at that point, because like, <laughs> how do I plan an all 50 States golf trip and stay and remain married with well, children who still rec- recognize me? Uh, yeah. And I, and this, this, kind of sets up where I want to go next, but you know, one, one thing that I get from you is in paper tiger in Ireland, in Scotland, and now in America, you are such a glutton for punishment in a sense. Like I, I feel like you, you don't, there's a part of you that I don't think likes to make it necessarily easy on yourself. Uh, you like to immerse yourself. And as a reader, I love it. And, and, you know, I, I think you, if I'm, if you'll allow, like, I, I think you enjoy it too, but I, it, it sounds to me, it was like, you know, you had in the back of your mind, you kind of knew like, oh, damn, I, I am going to have to get to all 50 States. And and I think that's, yeah. you know, I, I think that's so cool. And gosh, I, you know, how few people are, are able to say that not even in a golf context. Right. Like, so it's, it's, it's very exciting, but uh, yeah, it's like, oh, well, of course, Tom, you, you got to like do the most grandiose, hardest uh, itinerary possible. Like, well, I, I would expect nothing else from you. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of. I mean, you walked yeah, around Ireland no for, for Christ's sakes, you know, it's like. <laughs> I've got no one to blame but myself, no doubt about it. Like, and it's where you kind of set the bar, right? For like ridiculousness or, or and you know, they're not so much. I don't think they're necessarily like gimmicks and gags. You can look at them that way. And if you call them that, that's fine. But the point being that, right, like with each book, I, I've set myself up and say, okay, I'm going to do something crazy. And then the next book, you're like, okay, I've got to do something a little bit crazier, a little more reckless. So I've got to, you got to keep sort of pushing it. Or um, it's, it, or you, you certainly don't want the audience to feel like you're doing, you're trying 
you know, you're doing less or you're taking on less adversity, um, the adversity factor generally needs to, I, I don't feel like, you know, like I'm some, like I'm evil Knievel, like where the, the jump, the next jump has to be longer. I, I don't, I'm not approaching the books that way, but I do believe that um, the books have to be about problems and they have to have crises and they have to have dilemmas and drama and they have to be hard to do because, and maybe that goes back to like my, like my training is like, I went to school to write fiction. Like, you know, I, I'm, and I learned screenwriting by accident after being a fiction writer and needed to sort of learn that skill. And at the heart of that, so I studied, you know, storytelling, right? So, and at the heart of it is this notion of like, what's the problem? Like, what's the crisis? If you don't have a problem, you don't have a story. You have like a tale or you have an, an episode or something. Or just but, a review of a golf course, which would get boring after a while. Exactly. Like, that's the thing about writing golf. Like, if you want to, if you're not making it challenging, if you're not finding these sort of, these travelogues, if you're not making them, um, making them difficult, then you're basically it's just another day on a golf course of on, on another wonderful day on another beautiful golf course with fantastic people. That's not really a story. That's just, that's just good news, you know? And, and the Irish have an expression that good news is no good for telling. Nobody wants to hear all like how wonderful your day was. People want to hear about how you got like you're stuck in the shit or you, how do you, how you shot 92 and you, you kept your, your, your chin up, you know? Yeah, we want to see people break through and, and good stuff happen. But for the most part, like storytelling is about problems. It's about, it goes, I mean, this stuff is like, it's in our DNA to want stories because we want to find out like how to not get eaten by the bear. You know, like our first stories are like scratched onto the cave walls where it's like, okay, here's how you get the bear. You surround it with four dudes with these sharp things. You know what I mean? And people paid attention as people would come, go from campfire to campfire telling you how not to die, right? So I, I like when I teach my, that's usually how I would kick off like some of my, my fiction writing classes or my creative writing classes. Like storytelling is an, is, is an evolutionary skill and, and our brains are actually wired to want stories, but they're wired to want stories that have like problems and heroes overcoming things, you know, every story's got that element. So not to make myself the hero, but I am the protagonist of the story that has to overcome something. So I know going into any of these, that if it's just like, Hey, let me tour the top hundred with you, that there's nothing to that. There's nothing to that. It's right. gotta be, there's gotta be a challenge to it. Why else and, would you listen or read? Like there's, it's not going to like spark your interest. Yeah. No, I, you, you know, on, on behalf of a, of a reader of yours, it just is, I think that's what, that's what I love most about your books is it, it, it humanizes you and, you know, it makes it relatable to everybody, I think in, in a way that, you know, obviously getting to go around and play golf is wonderful, but there's more to it than that. Your game, you have ups and downs, you have bad days and good days, and you meet, you know, interesting people and, and some people, you know, you would love to see again and, and maybe some people you wouldn't. It just gives a whole accounting of, of the experience and, and I do really appreciate that. Hey. Everybody, sorry to interrupt Randy again. 
I want to thank our other sponsor for today's episode, and that is our friends at Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. It's a pretty stylish, comfortable band that you wear around your wrist and essentially can do a number of things. One of the things I like the most is Whoop will track all four stages of your sleep. So from slow wave, REM, light, and those times you're awake, it'll tell you how much sleep you've gotten down to the minute. Another cool thing, uh, they have a strain coach, which is a feature that allows you to plan your workout to hit your target exertion level. Plan the workout that your body is truly ready for, check your progress in real time, and finish your workout when Whoop has let you know you've pushed your body hard enough. Uh, this is also a really cool one. So, um, you know, depending on your sleep and your recovery score, Whoop will give you uh, a, a target optimal strain number for the day. And it just helps me, you know, kind of plan my day, plan my workout, think about what I want to do, uh, given what kind of condition my body is in. I'm happy to report right now. I am firmly on the strain train. I've had a, a really good week of training here. So excited about that. Listeners, right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code TRAPDRAW, all one word, at checkout. So go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter the code TRAPDRAW to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Thank them very much, and now back to my conversation. One thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, you, you've talked about 50 states and uh, some of these tent poles. I think another important factor in your book is your father, Jim. Um, you know, without giving away too much, uh, could you set the stage on on the role that he plays and why he is such a, a, a critical piece to this book as well? Yeah, a lot of reasons where, you know, my dad pops into the Ireland story, um, little bit of paper tiger you know my dad gave me golf right so um i didn't anticipate in a course called america you know going into it you know when you're picking out the storylines or you're not picking them out but you're thinking about okay these are themes and things that i want to make sure i'm paying attention to looking for that I want to develop, you know, and whether it's about regional differences or regional identities and how that translates to a national identity and um, the, the variety of golf courses we have or getting architects opinions and people's opinions on what makes a golf course great. Like those were like themes and, and threads that I knew, like I wanted to look out for as I went into the book. I didn't know my dad was going to be such a big part of it. Um, and I think it had something to do with the fact that I knew that there were some spots along the way where I'd want him to play with me. But early on in the trip, really, before, well, just around the time the trip started, he had some back issues. And, you know, he's north of 85 now, 86, 87, um, but still was playing three days a week. Uh, and I was still sort of took for granted that I could go play golf with my dad anytime that I wanted to. But he started having some health issues and wasn't able to play. And it was um, unsettling. Uh, it was, you know, your dad's getting older. I mean, for anyone that moment when you realize that, that, um, I mean, my parents are in their eighties. So that, that realization that they're not going to be around forever. I'm sure I'd had that long ago, but it probably isn't until like seeing like your dad with like a, a cane or not able to not even for a golfing son, like him not being able to golf was very uncomfortable 
comfortable. And um, for an Irish son who doesn't do well with emotions about one's father, you know, who, um, I mean, the book's full of emotion and feeling and all that stuff, but I, that's where I do it in a book. I don't do it well in my walking around life. I, that's why I, I like having the chance to work these things out on paper. So it was like emotionally challenging. Um, and it became something I thought a lot about on these long drives. There's tons of travel in the story as I go from one coast to the other. Um, thinking about uh, how my dad was doing, missing the fact that I wasn't able to share any of the golf courses with him. And also thinking about his love of country. And, you know, he was a lieutenant commander, um, drafted um, into Korea and served and, and you know, would tell you he lived the best time of his life was was being in the Navy and, and his experience of America uh, growing up in his generation. Um, mine, I grew up in a different America. You know, I was born in the 1970s and um, probably and, and so our experiences, you know, I was never asked to serve and, and didn't serve. Um, but I was traveling around the country and meeting a lot of people who did. And I was traveling around the country and going to places that he'd gone because he was stationed there. Um, so I got to think more about that and more about the role the military played in our lives and more about the role that golf played in our lives and more about the role that military golf on military bases played in our lives. And um, it started to become a book that even though my dad wasn't physically there, that was very much about him and uh, really grateful for that. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for the way the road sort of took the book back to gave me so much time to reflect, right? You're out on the road and there's times when you think like, what am I doing? Why am I here? What am I after? What's the point? And once in a while I'd realize, you know, I'm getting to do this because my dad was on a Navy base in San Diego and someone put a golf club in his hand and then he gave me golf and that's where it started. So, um, there's a lot of him in this. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, um, again, it, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a hook or a, it, it's certainly a through line. Um, but, but I really like your book, um, and that there are different layers to it. Like we've mentioned, yeah. you know, I, I think there's the, the U S open and the history of American golf. There's just seeing the country across all 50 States, uh, in, in your, kind of personal experiences that way. And then also this, this story with your dad and his history and, and your history with, with golf. Um, you do a, an excellent job of, of bringing all those together and, and kind of having those run uh, concurrently throughout the book. Thanks, man. You know yeah. what we haven't talked about though? Which what? I think like What's when that? you have, all right, listen. So, you know, like when you're watching something on ESPN and then they're like, Oh, by the way, this was on ABC. So they do like the full disclaimer of any conflicts of interest. I need like this, <laughs> since we're talking of course called America, I can't, I'm showing this to the zoom camera for some reason, but your name, Phil Landis, AKA big Randy from no laying up is on the book jacket. So along with folks like Ben Crenshaw, Gil hands, um, Bill Murray, uh, Golf Digest, and there is uh, there's Big Randy, and I just I don't know I just wanted to throw that out there because that was one of the most exciting 
book writing process, maybe we'll get into that over these, the conversations, like it's a long thing. Like you do the research, you write the book. Um, I wrote it during COVID. So it actually went shockingly fast. This is the biggest book, but it was the most the quickest I've, I've, I've ever written. Um, and then, you know, it goes off reddening and that's like a year process, but then you go through this process of like marketing it and sharing it with people and hoping they'll say something nice about it and coming up with this list <laughs> of like, man, who do I want to send the book to? Um, and I was so psyched. It like the first, first person I thought, I'm like, I want to send it to Randy. I want to send it to Phil. I still find it a little weird to call you Phil, but I'm trying it, man. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I was so psyched for you to do, um, to do a blurb, but I think I put more stress into your life about it than, than I intended to. (laughs) And I I think you might've spent more time working on it than I did, uh, some of the chapters within. Uh, How was that process? If I could turn the tables on you. Oh, it was, it was terribly stressful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Um, I, I, I do want to say, I mean, uh, uh, let me, let me go back to the start. Um, I, uh, listen, there's, there's no impartiality here. I am uh, totally in the bag for you. I, I, I pinch myself, um, you know, getting to do this interview. I, I mean, I, I don't joke and I've told you this personally, so I, I don't mind sharing it again. It, it might embarrass you a little bit, but you know, reading, your book, A Course Called Ireland, however many years ago, uh, in, in a former life for me, well before No Laying Up was was ever a thing. Um, I just, the way you experienced and talked about and saw golf, it, it just, it's spoken to me like nobody has. And, and it gave voice to things that I had long loved about the game and thought about the game. And Honestly, it just reinforced, I think, how I wanted to, like a, a life well lived for me would be a life where I could travel around and see some of these uh, golf destinations and get to some of these places that you were, you were there and traveling. And so, um, yeah. you know, that, that was truly a seminal book for me, just in my love of golf. And I, I think, you know, I can't help but think Thanks, professionally, yeah, of course, um, you know, it, it playing a subconscious, a, a huge role in this thing that has developed for us um, at, at No Laying Up. So I, I, I do want to say, you know, anybody listening, I, you know, I, if, if you're coming here for an unbiased take on, on anything Tom Coyne related, you're not going to get it because I'm, I'm a massive fan. So that, of course, leads me into when, when you asked me if I would write a blurb uh, for this book, it I mean, it's truly, truly a privilege, truly an honor. And I, I, I think I, I, I mean, I told you that as well. And of course is the first time I've ever done something like this. And, you know, just knowing, oh my God, one, it's like, dude, I'll send you a blurb, but come on, there's no way you're actually going to use this. You know, I'll give you some options. <laughs> uh, just thinking about some of the other names that I was sure were, were going to be on, on your book sleeve. Um, yeah, man. It, it was tough. It's like, how it's do tough. I, I, yeah, I get asked every once in a while and it's like, it's hard. Cause you're, uh, well, it's also hard to ask people. Cause then you're like, shit, I hope they like it. Right. <laughs> um, there's always that anxiety and, uh, generally, so that's good to get that out of the way where you're like, okay, I think, 
I don't think this blurb because I've had to, I've written a couple where I've been like mm, about the book. And so you, you learn a way to like word it where you pick on something positive and you just hit that note. And then like, and then you're just generally like a sort of cheerful about it. Right. Um, so when the blurbs came back, I'm like, okay, well, one, I think, you know, Randy and, and crunch, I think they actually did read it and then they were nice <laughs> about it, but, um, it's a stressful thing asking it's it's cause it's like sort of like asking someone to the prom too. Like, would you write something nice about my book? Um, and in case people didn't, weren't aware, like when you'd see blurbs on the back of books, like that's, if you think that just sort of happened by happenstance or something, it's, it's, um, it's an author asking their friends or an agent asking their other clients to write something to read an advanced copy and, and write something for the jacket. So, which, which I will uh, say that was the only thing I got, I got mad at you because I told you, I, you know, one of the big thrills for me would be seeing the book in final form. And I was like, okay, gosh, I'll read it early. You know, I'll, I'll sacrifice getting to have that, that nice new hardcover book and, and tearing it open fresh. Uh, I, I had to read one of your preliminary drafts with some, with some typos. <laughs> you in had it, to you read know? one that looks like a, look like a Microsoft Word document. It wasn't yeah. even an ARC, which is an advanced reading copy. So yeah, you, you got the real, real, real early. Um, cause that's another thing inside publishing the, the, uh, the, the printed manuscripts will go out. It'll look like you printed it off your computer and just, just shrink it to make it look like a book. So you had to read that one full, chock full of typos. Then the arc has plenty of typos. Hopefully this final draft here. Now, do you even have the hardback right now? No, no, no. Okay. Well, it'll be, you're going to get be, it at the book launch. I was going to say get it's it next week. It's going to be a nice, it's going to be truly a nice present. Um, yeah. So no, just, just finishing the thought though, I extremely honored and, and it was, it was certainly something I, I wanted to put a lot of thought into and just try to just represent my true emotions as faithfully as I could. And you I did an awesome job. I was going to say, I, yeah. I appreciate that because I, I felt like the blurb um, was able to do that. And it's a very hard exercise in like three sentences. Uh. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's yeah. really hard. And especially if you do like something like, and then I've written like the first time I was asked to blurb, Juliana Baggett asked me to blurb one of her books, The Miss America Family. And I, I'm not sure why. She asked me, we met at a writer's conference and she's a wonderful um, writer. And, and I really liked the book and I was so excited to be asked. So I wrote like a page, like, and it was full of exclamation marks. And like, it was, I was comparing it to like, great, to Gatsby and stuff. I just went like so over the top. And then I, I'm like, oh my God, dude, you gotta, you gotta chill out. Um, I think I've become better at it, but it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a skill. You like the writers who have the confidence to just be like, you know, just say like heck of a read enjoyed every minute, you know, right. exclamation point, just like, that's it. Like, but I, I'm not there. Like, I feel, I feel like I do feel that pressure too, if I'm, if I'm ever asked, but in any Is, event, you did a great job and I, I sincerely appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's um, you know, I, I hope, I hope Ben Crenshaw and, and Gil Hans and others are, are proud to, uh, to stand next to me on the book sleeve. Uh, exactly. let's, uh, Casey Lewis too. She, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, um, she was a late ad. let's dive into the logistics of this thing. And I want to ask you about, okay, we've decided to do all 50 States. Yep. Just physically planning this trip. And I know you, you get into a little bit of this in the book, but can, can you talk about the anxiety and just how you went about trying to organize uh this project 
Yeah. So it started with like, all right, like I'll crowdsource via social and the internet and throw out there. Okay. Here's like, it was kind of cool. I announced like on social, here's the project and I'm looking for recommendations of what people think would be like a great representative golf course of their state. And then I'm also looking for people who can help me get on to some of these places, right? Because when we talk about like the differences between the Scotland, Ireland, and America book, the the one that for me was became very apparent when, and had nothing to do with acreage. It just had to do with the fact that more probably half the courses, maybe more than half the courses I wanted to play were private. And in Ireland and Scotland, if you don't know, yeah, there's plenty of private clubs, but the golf courses themselves are open to visitors. Um, not every hour of every day, but you know, you can get on anywhere you need to in the British Isles. And so that certainly isn't the case in the States. So I went fishing for like, all right, if you can get me on somewhere or what course would you recommend? And I probably got about 800 recommendations, <laughs> um, which which is both good um, and bad, and I would think. Them, yeah. Yeah. And most of them ended with, have you played old head? No, the, <laughs> uh, there were, um, it was good and bad. Right. So I, I took them all and some of them were like a lot of repeats. So that was good. But I put about 500 names into a spreadsheet and then I started color coding them for like, okay, like the must visits, maybe visits, probably not going to visits. Um, and those were the criteria for getting those colors were, were varied and unscientific. Um, obviously the U S open courses were must visits. Then there were just like some bucket lists, like, man, I just really wanted to, I've always wanted to play there. And here's some dude who says, he'll take me there. <laughs> right. you know? So that, that was one. Um, and then, uh, Donald Ross designed our course, um, usually got you in the probably not going to visit category. <laughs> Because I heard it that a hundred times. Um, what course is like, man, what course didn't he design? Uh, we're a Ross. Um, no, but I appreciate everyone that reached out. It was in incredibly, it was really overwhelming. It was kind of the point where I realized like, damn, this book could be like, could work. Um, not, I think people will, there, if so many people are interested in, in where I might go, maybe they'll even buy it. And then maybe they'll join me somewhere on the road. And, and, and that was what I was really looking forward to was um, trying to make people aware of the trip so that they, you know, join me while I was out there. I don't want to be going across America by myself without collecting the story of all the people who play these golf courses. So it became clear that I was going to have not just an audience, but like a cast of characters, hundreds of them. So anyway, I went from 500 courses, started whittling it down. I got it down to about 300. And then, but then I was working. So I'd have these three, I have like three screens in my office and one would have um, the itinerary. No, one would have a calendar. One would have a sp the spreadsheet and one would have a map. And so I broke the country up. I drew like circles into like three, 10 different sections and that would each be a chunk. And, and I would start to build an itinerary, say for like the Pacific Northwest. And on the map, I try to draw a route uh, that I would take that would hit as many of those courses as I could that I, that I'd already put on the map. So that's probably how I got down to 300 because I couldn't, there's like 200 that I would have missed. So, um, <clears throat> but where it really got tricky and where I really wanted to quit and say like, I can't logistically pull this off was the issue around like that 
um, that, yeah, the courses wouldn't necessarily, that I couldn't get on half of them, right? Um, that I had to, not only did I, okay, I could, I could get to this course on this date at this hour. Now, in Scotland and Ireland, that's fine. Like, they would work around, they make it happen. Like, yeah, they are, you're, you know. But when it's Medina, um, like, good luck, like, finding a tea time at that precise time when you need it. Or if it's Marion, or if it's Chicago Golf, or if it's, um, or even if a public course like Pebble Beach, who knows if they're going to be able to accommodate you. So um, super challenging in, in that regard, because then I'd have to, like, shut down all those screens and start playing a different game or undertake a different endeavor, which was like golf networking. And that's a bunch of email of like, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Right. So I mm -hmm. could just search my email and put in Glenview, right. A, a U.S. open course I needed to visit in Chicago and had no idea of anyone who belonged there. So I'd search through all those emails and there would be someone who said, oh, I know someone at Glenview. So then I'd email them and then they'd get in touch with their buddy. And then their buddy would come back and tell me that they're aerating that day or that the member <laughs> member's on and I can't play. And, and that would, and I'd have to redo the entire itinerary for that chunk of the country. It was, it was, I was playing Jenga, man. And one member guest, ill-timed member guest could sink the whole thing. So, um, a year to plan it and five months to write it. And it's and, almost always been the opposite. And that's, uh, yeah, no, and that's not even, no. I, I'm just thinking that's just the golf, right? That That's not even oh, hotels even, and yeah. rental cars and flights. And I mean, <laughs> that's hotels, rental cars, flights when you're and like, when you're going to Alaska now, I know it sounds like I'm complaining here and I don't want anyone to shed a tear for for the for the guy who had to golf 300 rounds in 2019 <laughs> and play all his dream courses and make all his golf dreams come true please no sympathy um but it i wouldn't say it wasn't without its challenges and yeah so the logistics of traveling and finding your way um bouncing around through little airports and then driving trying to coordinate that with rental cars and um learning how expensive it is when you rent a rental car in new Orleans and drop it off in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> how pricey that gets. Uh, and you know, upside was I have pretty damn sweet, um, frequent flyer status at this point, not really able to use it. Um, then the pandemic hits, but, and, uh, now that I'll start traveling again soon. So that's cool. Um, I got really good at, I, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I got good at the whole traveling, the shuffle, the, the rental car into a Hampton Inn kind of life. Um, I could be unpacked and in bed in like 45 seconds uh, yeah. in a, in any hotel room and repack the next morning in like 50. <laughs> um, so I got, I got good at that. And you know, from life on the road, how that, how that you get in those routines where you start to actually enjoy, like, I like airports. I like airport lounges. Um, I'm very productive in airport lounges. I know the good soup versus the bad soup. I know the good snacks versus the bad snacks. Like I got into that life and enjoyed that kind of road dog kind of living. Um, but then you get home and you see your kids and you're like, damn, they grew like four inches since I've been home last. I'm, I'm an awful, awful dad. Uh, and, you, and, and it changes. I mean, that's, 
I, I know it's you're self-deprecating and it's easy to joke about, you know, keeping your wife and kids and keeping them happy and, and having that, that family life through all of this. But, you know, that, that's a very real thing that, uh, you know, to, was it difficult or did you feel guilty seeking the blessing of your wife uh, to, to do this project? Yeah, it's funny, like difficult. Um, wouldn't say guilty just because Allison's been with me from the start of doing this stuff, you know, from, from gentleman's game, from the first time I, you know, wrote a, when I wrote the novel and said, I think I'm going to try and get an agent, you know, um, she's been with me supporting and cheering for me the whole time. So this is her adventure, you know, it's cliche, but I mean, it, this is her trip too, you know, these are her adventures and, um, and actually she's been a part, she's been in paper tiger she's a part of court she would rather i not write about her as much <laughs> as i do but i don't know she brings a lot to the story you know yeah um and she's a part of this story too and the family as well they came to join me on a couple of different uh you know we went out to big cedar lodge together and and that was a great trip it was i was able to incorporate them a little more because being in america um you know they were able to come on some of the trips not as many as we'd sort of planned because even if it's summer, you know, the kids get into the routines and stuff. So, but I was coming back, I was trying not to spend more than two weekends consecutively away. So, um, so I was still coming back and changing light bulbs and seeing my kids. You realize like, how um, dispensable you are as a parent <laughs> when you come home and it's like the three things like, uh, you know, change the light bulbs, um, call the, call the landscaper and, uh, you know, these, these, Pro privileged problems, whatever. Uh, um, it's a, that, shout that, out, that shout sense. out to the moms. I, I think they're the they're the engine that that makes most uh, families go right. No doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt about that. So, but Allison's awesome, and um, yes, yeah, just her support is uh, it's at the heart of all this stuff. Cool. Um, a, a few more questions, if, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this, where, so as you're prepping, as you're figuring out your trip, you know, you had, you had mentioned you had some real blind spots um, for American golf. Uh, mm -hmm. How about just broadly speaking as, as a tourist and as a traveler, I, I want to, I'm curious, where were you most excited to go? And then, um, you know, in the preparation stage, were there any areas where like, oh, God, okay, I guess I got to go. What, what were those areas? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I want you to call some people out. What, what, what were those states or those cities or those places that were least uh, enthusiastic uh, for you? Okay. I'll tell you, I was pretty psyched to go to Maine um, because I don't know, Allison had always wanted to go there. I, I went without her. Sorry. Sorry, dear. <laughs> um, that, I, that I went without us, but, um, I was pretty psyched to like golf, new England, right? Like I wanted to see Aquanic in Vermont. Like I'd heard that was like the spot. And then Maine had all these golf courses that everyone, I just, as the email was coming in, I was getting all these recommendations for courses in Maine. And I just thought like that was, I was surprised by that. And so I got pretty psyched about, you know, I love, I've been to Nova Scotia and love that. And I just, I don't know, I was excited for that. And I'll tell you what lives up to the billing. Maine is, Maine is awesome. Um, Minnesota, I got pretty psyched about as well. Uh, the lots of email from Minnesota golfers 
just so friendly and nice. And they were just wanted me to come out. And I figured, you know, their season is only what, like a month long or something, but <laughs> man, they'd love, they're crazy about their golf. So, uh, very excited about getting up there. And it was another place that exceeded expectations. Um, I would have to say like, though, for uh, someone who went to school in the Midwest, grew up on the East coast, um, getting to like Nebraska, Montana, the Dakotas, that to me felt like, all right, when I get there, I will be seeing America, you know, and just in my imagination, like, because mm -hmm. I would otherwise have no reason to drive across or no opportunity. I wouldn't have an excuse otherwise probably to drive across Nebraska, right? Just, I'm, it's probably not going to happen, but that I was going to get to do that and play golf at a place called Sand Hills, you know, that's good too. I was psyched for that. Yeah, for sure. There were some places where I felt like, um, not to like, okay. Kentucky kept falling off my map. I don't know why. And no offense to Kentucky, but every time I would do my circles, of like I would break the country into its pieces. It was like, damn it. I forgot Kentucky. And like <laughs> I had 49 States and, and I can't get Kentucky. Um, Wyoming was tricky too. Like I, I wasn't, when I was putting together my, my, my routes and Utah as well, for whatever reason, like, okay, it's like, all right, California, Washington, Oregon, California, going to rock that, um, Arizona, plenty of stuff there. Oh, but I, I got to get to Utah. Um, and it, and, and on the, on the routes I was going, it was like, all right, I'll just dip in, I'll hit Utah and dip out. So I, I didn't do Utah and Wyoming their, their justice. Um, and just played one. So those were Utah, Wyoming and Kentucky, I think were wait. And maybe Alabama were one state, one course States for me. Um, and that wasn't so much that I, I'm sure they're wonderful and awesome and have a lot to offer golf wise. It just was how it, um, fell on the particular route that I was taking. And then where in like Arkansas, I played like five courses, I think, which I wasn't expecting to. So, um, a lot of it just had to do with like which way the wheels were pointing um, and sure. where the next stop was. So, but all states are wonderful, full of wonderful people. Of, of, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> all in their own unique way. On the, on the back end, right? Okay. So we, we, and by the way, how, what, what was the actual golf playing um, time frame? Do you remember? Was it how, how many months, when to when? Eight months. Uh, so I left in May at the end of my semester, started in Newport, um, at Newport, because that's where they held the first U S open to start last round was played in mid December, uh, right before Christmas. So I was home okay. for Christmas, um, and right before COVID because wow. This would have been a very short book if I did it in 2020. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Playing the golf course in my backyard, um, a course called home. The, uh, so yeah, the timing there was, was, uh, providential for sure. Okay. And uh, obviously I I'm curious then when you're finished, um, playing golf, how, how much of a break do you take? When do you start writing the book? What, what is that process? entail yeah so you know it's funny it's been different for each one like paper tiger i think i took a long time ireland i didn't take a, that long scotland so here's the deal with golf books you generally have one season for them to come out um 
Father's Day is ideal, right? Okay. Where you're getting U.S. Open and Father's Day. Sometimes they come out around Masters. Sometimes I, Scotland came out around the British Open. We tried that um, to do something a little different. But Father's Day is where you want to be. Sometimes you see some at Christmas, but there's generally a golf season, right? And if you miss that window, which I have in the past um, with, with some books, you know, you generally are waiting like another year for it to come out. So I think with, I missed it with Scotland. So it took, I had much more time to write that book. Um, long way of saying, uh, I didn't let this sit for very long. I wanted to get it in for, so coming home in December, I wanted to get a draft to my publisher in the spring um, so that I could have it out the next spring. Cause it's a year between submitting um, it's at least a year between submitting the first draft and, you know, getting it edited and marketed. All that stuff takes a lot of time. Now. Yeah. Publishers can get, if I'd if I wrote a book about Biden's first hundred days in office, they could get that book out next week. They could, you can, they can crash a book, but for my purposes and for books like this, that's sort of evergreen. Like it's just don't do that. You take your time with the editing process. You take your time with all the graph, you know, with, with all the images, the look of the book, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so wrote it, wrote the first draft um, between December. Well, I probably dove in. I probably let it sit for a couple of weeks and let it marinate. And then this one, I went back in quickly. I went into my journal. I had 500 pages of notes in a, on, in, you know, that I've been writing, transcribing notes on the road. Um, I mean, I've been dictating notes rather, having them transcribed um, by well siri i guess uh <laughs> and just downloading yeah because i was just keeping i was just talking to my phone and the phone was typing it out i was like this is great yeah. um so on these like four hour drives i would just rap about everything that had happened so i had way more notes for this book than i'd ever had for a book before um so i read them all like on new year's day and then in january i just started writing which is with the other books i would let them sit for a couple months and sort of think about what is the book and uh, with this one, I don't know. I just felt like I knew what the book was and I was ready to go. And, uh, and I wanted to have it out. I didn't want to miss. I didn't want to have to wait another year for the next golf season. So even though people were like, it's funny, you get stuff, see on social media, you know, I'm out doing the book. And then a week later, someone would be like, when can, are you done? Like, can I, can I get it? You know, like yeah, you were just right. here. So imagine yeah. like I wrote it and now it's out. Yeah. And, yeah. and we live in a world where like, with blogs and instant news, like stuff, you see someone doing something and you expect it to be written up like the next week. And I told, so I totally get that. Um, but I, I didn't want to make, I wanted to get out as quickly as possible, at least be able to say to them, all right, next year it will be out uh, and not say two years from now. So I was glad we were able to accomplish that without having to rush it. I mean, my, I'll, I'll be, you know, shout out to Simon and Schuster and avid reader press. They, um, they kick gas. I, I, you know, they, Bamberger, Dodson, um, do their books there too. And, um, they just, they just, they're just great. They know how to do these kinds of books. And I was just super, again, super, super pleased with, with the whole process. Not every round of golf that you played makes the book. Surely not. How, how do how do you whittle that down? Because I have a bone to pick, you know, we enjoyed a great couple of days in Columbus, Ohio. And yeah, of course you, 
you decided it, I guess it wasn't good enough for the book. Um, how about that? I'm, I'm you just, were on the adventure I'm and just, we played Scioda. Importantly, I learned how to pronounce that, that name, not Scioto. Um, <laughs> we played Scioda. We played the red course. At Scarlet. Ohio State. I don't want the Buckeye fans uh, to come after you. It's the Scarlet course. Bring it on Buckeye fans. Go Irish. Um, no, no, I understand. You're right. The Scarlet course. <laughs> and in all fairness to, um, I'll, I'll never be an Ohio state fan and that's okay. Um, I hope folks can understand that, but, um, you won't either. Uh, I don't think Randy, but, um, to, uh, to their credit, man, great golf course, great facility. I was yep. just very impressed uh, with my, I, with my Ohio state swing. That was fantastic. You know, and I was impressed with Michigan too. Um, that's going to be tough for you. Yeah. You didn't, I know. Um, yeah, but we had a cool time and I made the, I made an awesome putt on 18 to win the whole thing. (laughs) That's right. I I know we recall. Um, but I don't know why that didn't make the, as I dropped the mic, I don't know why I didn't make that didn't make the book. I think that well, so I, I'm book, I'm teasing you about that specifically, no, but, but I am curious. Question. Obviously, like, you why, have to what makes it and what doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Know? So what like so a lot of it has to do like regionally. I know like I have to do, I have to hit, like I've got to have some Pacific Northwest. I got to have some, I got to have Montana. I got to have New England. Like so, I have to organize it um, in terms of location. So that was a little different with with this book that um, with the others, it was sort of a geographic sort of loop. And it was kind of like, there was more of a, a, the chronology was simpler. This one I was bouncing around. And so it was a little more complicated to try and figure out, okay, um, what is going to make it and what isn't. I had to make sure that, you know, that, that, yeah, I do talk about Florida and golf and Texas and and that I do get to the the sort of great plain States and, and, and stuff like that. I get to, I done Ohio. I think Ohio was mostly when I went to Canterbury. Um, I did a good chunk on Ohio then. And so was I going to revisit Ohio again, even though there are great courses there that are important? Probably not. I mean, we like, yeah, there's also like the stories that end up in the book are generally the ones, even though we go back and I I looked at the journal and, and everything that happened, they're generally the stories that you don't need to go back and look at because they're fresh. They're, they're still in your head. They're still, they were that interesting or exciting or revealing that they're still right at your fingertips, like ready to come out. And those are generally the stories that, that make it into the book. Not always like we had a great day or that was super fun or I played well. Did something happen on that day that relates to a theme that I want to pick up or I haven't touched on yet, right? So for example, Ohio. So since I'd already kind of explored Ohio a little bit and the nature, my impressions of it, um, I wouldn't rush back to to hit Ohio again. And similarly, like there, there are other gaps that people are going to wonder, like why didn't um, you didn't talk much about the country club? or you didn't talk much about, um, you know, Arizona has, there's some, certainly some gaps there. There's some gaps in California. I mean, there's gaps because it's a big damn country. You know, I can't sure. write about, about <laughs> every, about everything. But <clears throat> when it comes down to like, well, as I'm sitting down every day and like, where am I going to take the story next? 
it was almost always about where was the mo- the next important event thematically or where was the next person that I have to write about. And I'd also written about you already in the book earlier on. So going back for an, like another big Randy chapter wasn't, you know, it was, wasn't yeah, absolutely the people, I think the people I don't want the people don't need that much, that much Randy. I think I captured your essence. Were you okay? I think I described you as your charming nihilism. Was that okay? Yeah. I was like, I hope he doesn't take that the wrong way. No, no, no. I, I feel like you, um, I, I felt like you, you described that that was a perfect description of, I'm not sure okay, if I could right. have come up with that myself uh, for my own right. uh, state of mind, but I, I certainly will take it. Okay. I think, yeah, I think I got the NLE boys. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had to do it quickly. Cause I'd originally done that chapter. That was a long chapter. And that was one my editor said, he's like, he's like, all right, shrink that. Like, it's good. Like, but, but um, you know, the book's not about Ireland, your trip to Ireland with no laying up. It's about America. So like, you got to condense that. So I basically had to give everyone like describe you all in 10 words. Um, it was, you know, that was a fun one to write that part. Well, cool. I think that, um, hopefully folks get a sense of, you know, why, how, when, um, yeah, certainly, setting the stage, uh, to, to please grab a copy. Like I said, at the top, uh, can pre-order a copy right now. Uh, it comes out wide release on Tuesday, May 25th. And then, uh, you and I will be back on Thursday, June 10th, uh, talking about the first, roughly the first half of the book. So folks want to, certainly they can read beyond, but if they can read up to that point, um, it'll be another fun episode then. And then uh, we'll have a, a, a third podcast about the second half of the book. And then finally, the conclusion, uh, we'll, we'll put a bow on things. So it'll be awesome. Yeah. It's exciting to have guests too. Like it won't just be me rambling on as much as I did tonight. Like I, it'll be, I'm interested to hear some of the characters speak and, and get their reflections on, on the experience too. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Uh, I can't wait to see you in your backyard in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, I hope man. you I hope you take me for a cheesesteak. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to thank you for writing the book. I want to thank you for asking me to write a blurb. And uh, I, I can't wait to talk to you more about it here over the next uh, month or two. So I'm psyched. Thanks, Randy. This is awesome. Appreciate it. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 